The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And I want you to know that your pastor is very encouraged with what God seems to be doing in our world. And I'd like to um, kind of share some of uh, really the behind the scenes things that I think that God's doing that the church ought to get really, really excited about. Um, We saw that Isaiah chapter number 53 was really the passage that dealt with the redemption of Israel. And uh, what a marvelous passage dealing with the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, what he would do. Uh, He would become sin for us, right? He would die on that cross, prophetically looking forward to the cross and, and ultimately not just the redemption of Israel, but the redemption of the entire Uh, world, all those that would come by faith to Jesus Christ. And now in uh, Isaiah chapter number 54, what we have been looking at is uh, really a two-part message that centers around two key words. The first word is the word challenge concerning the enlarging of our place. And uh, the word today is going to be confidence. If you have your notes uh, inside the bulletin, there's just the brief outline from last Sunday at the very top. And uh, we began by just looking at the first two verses of Isaiah 54. I'd like to read them again for us this morning. And the Bible says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Thou that didst not travail with child, For more are the children of the desolation than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. We know for the nation of Israel, you are dealing with the thought of going into judgment a time where they would be removed from the land for 70 years. And this prophetically is giving them a glimpse of what's going to take place. And we went through the history of it last Sunday. First of all, the Assyrians taking the ten northern tribes, and then the Babylonians will ultimately come and take the two southern tribes. And really Isaiah in in prophecy is writing toward that day when they're going to be allowed back into their land. And he's saying, I want you just to prepare for it. I want you to understand that you may feel barren right now, but you you better start singing. I want you to realize here that right now you're looking inside your tent and it's empty. Uh, There are no little children running around, but I want you to prepare yourself for it because I am going to do a great and wonderful thing. And so last week we learned about having, number one, a proper attitude or a spirit of expectation. Uh, they had every right to be uh, defeated, uh, every right to be discouraged because there was a a dispersion that was in their future. I mean, God was going to rip them out of the land. And uh, boy, that would be a very depressing thing for any one of us, let alone the people of God that were given that land as the promise of God. And yet that will all be taken away. And, and God wants to already prepare them to have an attitude of expectation when it comes to what God is able to do. Uh, expect travail. You know, you, don't, you can't have a baby until you go through travail. 
expect here uh, to just keep trusting God even when it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, continue here to expect uh, God's testing as uh, maybe Abraham and Sarah year after year whole heard about how you're going to have a son. You're going to have a, a promised son. It's coming. And they're getting older and older, right? And uh, Abraham's almost 100 years old, and Sarah's almost 90 years old, and they're still waiting for the promise. And did God show up? He sure did. And uh, God came through with His glorious promise. So we, we, we recognize here, first of all, God's just wanting to prepare our hearts and our spirits for God to do what only God can do. I'm going to tell you, a week ago, I was looking at our nation and wondering, God, what do you have for us? And by the way, every one of us have to recognize that God, according to Daniel, raises up kings and he brings down kings. That's God's doing. And he uses, yes, people to do that. And I was wondering, God, what's going on? Uh, eight years ago, I got very concerned because uh, all of a sudden we're living in an America that I could not recognize. Not because of the color of the skin of the president, but because of the belief structure of, uh, of an administration that all of a sudden said we're, we're going away from God and we're going away from God's nation and we're going another direction. That concerned my spirit, my heart. I was grieved and I was hopeful as uh, this election cycle was coming around, and I was thinking, God, maybe this is the year. And yet, the more you listen to the polls and the more you listen here to the pundits, uh, in your heart, you almost want to get a little bit discouraged but because you're thinking that that uh, political party has really set themselves to be anti-God in so many areas. Can we endure another four years? And then I woke up on Wednesday morning. And, and there was something here where I had to just get on my knees before God and say, God, we've prayed for mercy and you've given mercy. That's all we did. We couldn't necessarily pray for God's blessing. You know, we used to be able to proudly say, God bless America. But when you turn your back on Israel, God says that's not a reality. That's not even a possibility. I cannot bless the nation that turns against my people. I can't. And, and God says he won't. Not, not just that he can't, he says he won't. I will bless them that bless me. I will curse them that curse me. And when your nation is set to curse God's people, God just says, I may be done with you. I may be done with you. And so I'm waiting to hear, what is God going to do? What is God's purpose for our country? What is God wanting yet to accomplish? Is there yet a little space for us uh, here in these latter days to be the church that God needs in this age? And so it really begins with attitude. And we saw that last week. It goes on to a proper activity. And, and that activity is just the preparation phase. You know, God's not saying just be hopeful but God's saying, now do something. And part of what God was asking them to do is found in verse number 2. He said, all right, you don't have children yet. You're not even expecting yet. But I want you to enlarge the place of thy tent and to let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. God said, you don't see it, but prepare for it. 
You, you, may, you're just not seeing any evidence of a barren womb fruitful yet. But I want you to make room for kids anyways. I want you to go ahead and, uh, and, and, and make lots of room for what I'm able to do if you just trust me. Now, there's a, there's a Bible interpretation, and this is dealing with the nation of Israel, and I understand that, but there's also a practical application for us in learning what it means to just trust God to do big things even when we don't understand all of it. I've told you time and time again, I don't know what God's doing. We walked into this building out of a, a little hotel room, and I, I thought, God, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, we've come into this space that we thought, there's no way we can pay for this auditorium. And God, in that first year, uh, made sure that uh, every bill was paid uh, for that first entire year, and, and we really didn't even have to touch the savings. It was that miraculous. To God be the glory, great things He had done. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, we get an email from the uh, ownership group, and they say, Pastor, we want you to move out. you got 30 days to vacate the rest of the building. And now we're thinking, God, what are you doing? How are we going to have ministry? How, are we, how do you do church in one big room? It was just really a burden on my heart. I called different individuals. I called uh, Brother Azzarello. I, I'm just trying to reach out to get some help and some wisdom and some counsel. And, and let me tell you something. It was a, a revelation to me two weeks ago, even coming up to that Sunday when God just put a piece in my heart that we, we need to just go forward. We just need to trust God and uh, just see what God can do. Uh, let's not look back at this moment in the history of our church and say, you know, we staggered at the promise of God. We didn't have enough faith to believe that God could actually do uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or we could think. And so God here used this passage in my own heart uh, just to say, Mark, get, get, a, get a good attitude about what I could do if you just get out of the way. Uh, and then start being active. I mean, actively prepare here for what I want to do. God has the place. He's got the plan. He's got a purpose for our church. He's got a purpose for our nation. And then we have to do some assessing from last Sunday. And we realize that they, they had to take an account of what they had and what they needed to add. They had so much curtain, they needed to add more, stretch it out. They had to lengthen the cords. They had to uh, maybe get uh, stronger stakes. Whatever the case... There was something for them to do, and we're in that period right now as a church. Uh, we just have to prepare for God to work as only God can work. And so that's the challenge from last Sunday. All right, the challenge from last Sunday. Now let's look at the thought of confidence. Our confidence. Not confidence in ourselves. Not confidence in, confidence in our might, our strength, our power, but honestly, confidence in God and His ability. Would you follow along? Again, I'm in chapter number uh, 54. I'm reading verse number 3. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not. For thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. 
Father, we just need you to meet with us this morning. I thank you so much for each one that is here. I thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, I believe, uh, Lord, in your church around the world, it's exciting. We're so thrilled that, God, you've allowed us to live in this day, in this age, for such a time as this. And we are just asking today that you would just charge our hearts and our minds. Lord, just give us an understanding concerning what you want to do and what we need to do. And God will give you all the praise and all the glory, all the honor for it. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. All right, let's begin number one here with this thought. uh, Confidence in a prospering that comes from God. Here God said, for thou shalt break forth. Again, the context is it's a a barren tent. Here's a husband, here's a wife, no children. Uh, There's just just something here about a a, a nest that's not yet filled. And they're anticipating God bringing some blessing into their family. And God said, well, uh, first of all, get get a right attitude about it. Start singing. Isn't that what verse 1 says? Sing, O barren. Don't, don't start singing when you no longer are barren, but sing as you are barren. You start praising God. You start thanking God now, in advance, for what He's going to do. And then the Bible goes on and, and gives the confirmation that ought to help us in the area of confidence in God. And that confirmation is that, listen, I will prosper. He, 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 he's emphatic, verse 3. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. Not you might, not you could, but you will. And that's a confidence that we need to have in God as to God's power and God's ability in building His church. Just like He's going to take care of Israel, He's going to take care of His church he loved the church he he gave himself for the church he's the builder of the church and until he calls the church home uh, let's just keep doing what he's called us to do and then have some confidence in his ability you know there's a lot of folks that uh, as uh, brother Azarello can attest here I'm uh, a little older than brother Azarello is but uh, as uh, as a man in my 50s coming to Simi Valley to start a church I had a lot of folks looking at me kind of like whoa that's not the that's not the age demographic that we're looking for for young church planters uh, we're looking for a, a 20 or 30 year old ish kind of guy and uh, a younger family kind of guy that's the demographic and yet God called us and it was simply we yield uh, because we recognize one basic reality and that God's not limited by the age of the one that he calls uh, he called Moses when he was 80 years of age wow uh, I tell you sometimes he just does that and can we just let God be God for a moment Can we just say, God, you're in charge and you can do what you want? And from the very beginning, Crown Point Baptist Church has not been about a personality. It's not been about uh, just a pastor. It's been all about Jesus Christ and the fact that he is the builder of the church. He is the great shepherd. I have the privilege to be the under-shepherd. But he's the great shepherd. And nobody ever ought to be confused about that reality. We thank the Lord for His leadership and for the privilege that we have to co-labor together with the Lord. 
He is the builder, we're the co-laborer. So confidence in a, propo- uh, a, a prospering that comes from God. Uh, blessings for the prepared. I want you to know verse 3 is not a reality until we do verse 2. Verse 2 tells us, enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Spare not. See, that's the command. And when we obey the command, then we can expect the promise. It's always, you step out by faith and then you watch me do what I can do. It was like that for Moses coming out of Egypt, uh, harnessed in the wilderness. Um, there, standing before the Red Sea. Uh, the wilderness on each side, Pharaoh and his army behind. Uh, what do you do? Stand still and you see the salvation of the Lord. That's what you do. And oh, how God is glorified in moments like that when there is no way through but a miracle of God. I tell you what, God gets glory in that. God gets praise in that. God gets honor in that. Folks, if we could do what we're attempting to do, we could pat ourselves on the back. But we can't, and we know it. And that's the marvelous thing. We're resting in God. We're laboring. We're doing the very best that we are able to do, but we're trusting in God Almighty to do His work. So the blessing is for the prepared, those that have enlarged, those that are uh, stretching out those cords, those that are sparing not. And let me tell you something. Now's the time not to spare. Now's the time to just say, God, give me a generous heart. Now's the time for us to just say, God, we're anticipating. Now's the time here to uh, be praying for these rooms that now God's given to us, that God would raise up servants to lead classes and and, uh, uh, young people and teenagers and all others that that, that God would use to have this middle section of the building become a hub of activity for the glory of God. That's what we're wanting to do, and God's wanting to prosper that. Blessing for the prepared. Blessings that are promised, for thou shalt, verse number 3. And then blessings of additional people. The very end of the third verse here, the Bible declares, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. You know, God was all about Israel looking back. Uh, During this time, they would be reading the book of Isaiah as they are in Babylon. During this time here, they would need encouragement as to the fact that can God open a way back for us to the promised land? And all of those cities that are desolate, can God fill them again? That was what was on, uh, would be on Israel's heart. And God was preparing in advance this text so that they would be encouraged when they start the journey. By the way, they're, about, they're going to start that journey really under Cyrus the Great, where he is going to be the man that God is going to use uh, as the ordained instrument of God uh, to go ahead and uh, prepare a way for the, the building of the second temple. He's going to provide the means. He's going to provide the, the resources. He's going to release God's people. Uh, and their leader, Zerubbabel, to, uh, to go back and uh, to build. And uh, we thank the Lord that God has people that He has in mind to raise up at certain times to be used uh, to do that great work. So, one, confidence in a prospering that comes from God. Number two today, confidence and a precaution against fear. 
I'm going to go two ways here on this this morning because I, I want your hearts to be quieted. I really do want you to know the peace that passeth all understanding. See, the Bible goes on and tells us here as we come out of verse 3 to verse number 4, the first two words are what? Fear not. Fear not. Confidence and the precaution against fear. When we think of fearing not, what, what God is saying, He's saying maintain your faith. Don't let your faith wane. See, when, when faith starts to fizzle, fear takes over. And when our confidence is not in our own pocketbooks or our own bank accounts, but our confidence is in God and His ability to prosper because we expect God to work, that God's able. And God wants to, and God can. And uh, what a blessing here that there is this precaution against fear. Really, it's a call to faith. When God says fear not, it's a call to faith. It's what it is. It's a call to strengthen our faith. It's a call to say, listen, I'm not going to look at the circumstances. I'm going to keep my eyes on God. I am just watching God moment by moment. And He's not failed us yet. And he's not going to fail us if our eyes are on him. See, there's a call to faith, but there's also here a call to be fearless. Just absolutely fearless. God is desiring for fear to be put away. So letter A is a call to faith. Letter B is a call to be fearless. And all that we would get a hold of that. I'm going to uh, just kind of segue into what happened this week a little bit. And uh, really, there could be potentially, even in the church house, some that are a little fearful as to what's happening, what's going to happen. Boy, if you listen to the media, the world's spinning out of control and we're, we're all about to die. You know, I mean, if you listen too long to the different stations, it's pretty gloomy out there. Uh, you watch news and all the riots that may be taking place because the election's on Tuesday. Your heart may be a little troubled, but can I just put your heart at ease? God's still on the throne. He still rules and reigns. Uh, he's the one, literally, that has ordained this uh, leader for our country for such a time as this. And I'm convinced of it. Can I, can I tell you, the more that I started to get, and, and I was kind of following some of the Wiki, WikiLeaks that were out there, I told you many, many months ago, I'm kind of a political junkie. And uh, so I'm, I'm following some of those things, and I'm reading, and I'm going, this is vulgar, this is unbelievable. And these are mostly uh, uh, John Podesta's emails that are going back between him and, and the uh, Clinton um, organization. And uh, then, uh, then I started reading some things that horrified me. And one of them was spirit cooking. You say, what in the world is spirit cooking? It's an occultic practice of the most unbelievable, dark, demonic, uh, calling on the powers of darkness. And in his emails, he referred to the fact that he's really looking forward to 
their next spirit cooking. I won't even describe in mixed company all that takes place. I don't even advise you to get on the internet and search it out yourself because it's that vulgar. You'll just have to trust me. It is satanic to the core. And I'm thinking, God, did we just dodge an unbelievable bullet? Do, do, do we really have an administration whose leadership, those around, are delving into occultic practices for power? That they're relying on another God, the God of this world, to empower them. And I'm going, God, how merciful have you been? You know, God is kind of uncovering a little bit of some of the shenanigans. And the more that we're going to see, the more we're going to rejoice in the reality that God was merciful and he raised up who he did. I'm not saying this morning that our president-elect is uh, the second coming of our Savior by any stretch. But what I am saying is that I was encouraged by one, two, three little things. First of all, his choice of vice president. Whoa, I've got a couple of videos here I want you to see. All right, I'm going I'm to take that back. That wasn't the first thing. Here's the first thing. Let's look at this video real quick. Oh, sound, guys? Bear with them just a second. All right, immediately after the election. No sound. All right, so you recognize who that is? All right, it's Prime Minister of Israel. Uh, I, you can't hear his words, but can you see his expression? That man is overjoyed. That man, in, in this one minute, is just congratulating the president-elect, and he is beaming. You say, why is he beaming? Because he recognizes we have a friend in America again. We have a friend in America again. You say, why is that so important? You want to know what the United Nations did on Tuesday during the daytime, anticipating, anticipating the reality that there's going to be uh, a continuation of the last eight years, the anti-Israel agenda. Now, this is astounding to me, but there were amendments that were drawn up on Tuesday, and uh, you had one or two of them that were against some of the worst in uh, the world, all right? So these are resolutions uh, that were presented and the uh, UN resolutions. And uh, one uh, was a reprimand to Syria, uh, one to North Korea, and one to Iran. All bad actors, right, on the world stage. And I'm thankful that they reprimanded one time each of those three bad apples for major human rights offenders. Guess how many they came up with to chastise Israel? On Tuesday alone, 10 different resolutions. 10 resolutions. Only five nations voted against those 10 resolutions. The world stage has been set to go anti-Israel. And they were just waiting for that final checker flag on Tuesday so that they could just go full steam ahead. But let me tell you something. God's on the throne. God rules and overrules. 
God reigns and does what only God can do. That's why this man has the smile on his face. There's a next video, and maybe it's just the video themselves, but let's go to the next one, guys, just to see if we get something here. Okay. Or we're having difficulty, that's fine. Go ahead and drop that one out. Go to the next slide if you could. Basically, you can see all of these online, but he was basically in that short little thank you, just reconfirming his commitment to the nation of Israel. Matter of fact, can I read you some of the words that he used in declaring uh, his devotion to the nation of Israel? You, you see, what happens here in America is not really even the big deal prophetically it's it's israel it's what god's doing there and that's why it really concerns me with so many major denominations are, are really going here um, somehow into this attitude uh, that they are going to uh, let's just say turn their back on israel and it's horrifying to me that christians are jumping on board but here are the words and i quote i love and respect israel and its citizens President-elect Donald Trump told Israel on Thursday evening after his meeting with outgoing U.S. President Barack Obama, Israel and America share so many of the same values, such as freedom of speech, freedom of worship, and the importance of creating opportunities for all citizens to pursue their dreams. He continued, I look forward to strengthening the unbreakable bond between our great nations. I know very well that Israel is the one true democracy and defender of human rights in the Middle East. Did you hear that? One true and a beacon of hope for countless others. I haven't heard that in a decade by a U.S. national leader. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm just saying that God has done something. God has given us a leader that is not anti-Israel. And I, for so often, my prayer for our country is this, simply, God have mercy. Maybe that's been your prayer. God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. But you know, God's promise in the Word of God is that if you are, as a nation, will bless my people, I can bless you. I still want God's mercy, but I can also add to that, God bless America. I could, I could not biblically pray that, but I can, because there is a man that at least his words right now are saying, uh, I am for Israel. And I've got a feeling by the look of Netanyahu that he really believes uh, Mr. Trump in what he says. Now, maybe some of that has to do with Mr. Trump's own family, his dear, sweet uh, Ivanka. You know, you can tell that's, the, that's the, the light of his life, his daughter, has married an Orthodox Jew. Ivanka has become a Jew. She's raising her children as Jewish citizens here in America. And Grandpa is now president-elect. Can I tell you something? That is going to have an impact on certain relationships. And so I am, as your pastor, I just want you to know, I'm encouraged because, first of all, this is the first time in a long time I have seen something hopeful between relationships between America and the nation of Israel. 
so many things that have been coming up uh, recently that are just absolutely amazing. Uh, that uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but back in September, the uh, Jewish Sanhedrin came together and they have uh, now uh, a high priest that they have elected, a rabbi there in Jerusalem that will act as their high priest. They are working toward uh, reestablishing temple worship and they have their, their foot on the gas pedal trying to build that third temple. Matter of fact, after president-elect... On Tuesday was elected, the Sanhedrin reached out to Donald Trump and asked, uh, could you help us here as we are desiring to see this temple built? You say, what's the significance for Christians whether the third temple is built or not? Well, it just gives us a better understanding of where we are in history. You see, the Antichrist will defile that temple that will be built in the middle of that seven-year tribulation period. The time is drawing nigh. God is starting to do some things. You know, I was listening to these politicians and, and listening to Mr. Trump in particular, and he kept saying something over and over again that no one else was saying. One of the things he was saying is, let's get our embassy out of Tel Aviv back to Jerusalem. Why? So that Jerusalem, once again, is established as the capital of Israel. That's huge. And if that takes place, how far are you away from, yes, allowing Israel to reestablish their temple? How do we not know that maybe, and I've read this all over the internet, some are looking at maybe the possibility, I'm not going to go to seed on this, but maybe the possibility is that uh, like Cyrus of old was used as this outside builder uh, to help Israel, maybe God is using uh, President-elect Trump to become that means by which Israel receives blessing in a, in a world that is anti-Israel. And wouldn't that be a blessing? Um, you want to read about Cyrus, go back. I'm, I'm off sermon right now. I just want you to know. I left it. Isaiah chapter 45. Go back there just a little bit. I'm going to read a couple of verses from verse number, uh, chapter number 44. And, and just keep this in mind. This is astounding to me. But uh, Cyrus and, uh, and um, other leaders that God raised up to bring judgment on Babylon, all right, there's some pictures there that you can conjure up in your mind uh, that God did that, and uh, he uh, definitely is the one that got all the credit for it. I'm going to go back just in chapter 44 for just a moment where verse 23 says, Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolishness. You say, who's he saying this of? All of those... <laughs> during this time that God was raising up Osiris. 
It's the very next chapter, verse 1. He's saying no one's going to understand it, no one's going to believe it. The liars, they're going to be confounded. They're going to scratch their heads. They're going to say, how in the world did this happen? This is amazing. This is unbelievable. This is, this is, this is crazy. And yet we're seeing it. Now, notice verse number 26. That confirmeth the word of thy servant and performeth the counsel of his messengers that saith to Jerusalem, thou shalt be inhabited and to the cities of Judah ye shall be built and I will rise up and uh, the decayed places thereof that saith to the deep, be dry and I will dry up thy rivers that saith to Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be had. God said, Nobody's going to keep this temple from being built. I am going to raise up my man to do it and pave the way for it. And Cyrus would be that man. This prophecy is written 150 years before the man's born. God named him by name. Amazing. In the very next chapter, 45 verse 1, look at it. And this is really the, 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 the meat of this man Cyrus. Thus saith the Lord of his anointed to Cyrus. I want you to know that this is an unsaved man. This is not a choir boy. All right? This is, this is not your typical, uh, uh, you know, this is not Daniel. It's not Joseph. <laughs> uh, this, this is Cyrus. This is Pharaoh. This is who this is. We're, we're not talking about the, the, the sweet Daniel here, okay? We're talking about Cyrus. Now, the Bible goes on and says, I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open him, before him the two lev- leveled gates, and the gates shall not be shut. It's a real picture of Babylon. What happened that night in Daniel chapter 5, you know the story. Uh, Belshazzar was celebrating a drunken feast, mocking the God of Israel, bringing out all of the implements. And there, as they gorged themselves on wine, the finger of God came and wrote on the wall, Meeny, meeny, tickle you farson. You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And God, that very night, turned it from the Babylonian to the Medo-Persian Empire. God overturned. You say, wasn't that horrible? It was for the Babylonians, but it wasn't for the believers. It wasn't. Matter of fact, they became the caretakers, and all of a sudden they're thriving so much they don't want to leave. God says, go home, rebuild. And not everybody wanted to go. I'm telling you, these were not terrible times for the Jewish people. These were high times, heady times, good times. And, and God here says, I'm going to use this man Cyrus. Now, I'm going to keep reading here. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut asunder the bars of iron. Verse 3, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Fascinating. Kind of puts in perspective a little bit the, you know, the anxiousness sometimes Christians can have when there's not an overt Christian. You know, we always want, we, we, we want that Christian there in the high office. We want that godly believer. And a lot of us looked at Mr. Trump and the evidences of life and we just go, we don't see it. We don't see it. But God can sometimes raise up a great leader 
like Cyrus. And God can use him to accomplish God's purpose, right? Would you go back to uh, the little book of Ezra? And in between Ezra, you got that Second Chronicles. This is also a passage that deals with Cyrus. Prophetically, Second uh, Chronicles... Uh, chapter number 36, or I was not, chronologically, of course, we see that Isaiah is actually prior to Cyrus being on the throne. Here, uh, Cyrus is on the throne, so this is not chronological. You know, it's not like I read early in the Bible and then later in the Bible this comes. It's, it's actually flipped. So, verse 22 says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jerusalem, Uh, Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. And God raised up someone outside of the nation of Jerusalem to be a blessing to the nation of Jerusalem so that they could prosper, so that they could rebuild the temple. I'm not saying today that Donald Trump is Cyrus, but he could be. He could be. Uh, And and I'm, I'm not really all that into numbers, but... Isaiah 45 is one of those dominant passages, and we just elected the 45th president to the United States of America. Not really into that, just throwing that out. Something someone else shared on a a, a video. Uh, They took Donald Trump's birthday, put it in a calculator, and then they went to the inauguration date. And the number that came up was Donald Trump, when he raises his hand on January 20th, will be 70 years old, seven months, and seven days. What? 777, that that is uh, the the calendar year really of the Jews right now, the, the Orthodox Jews. They go back to October 7th, as uh, when Adam was created. And we are, according to the ancient Jews, in the 5,777th year. It started in October. Really? I don't know what God's doing, but I was encouraged. Here you have a man that all of a sudden says, let's see, I'm going to try to find the the, the godliest man on the planet to be my vice president. And I scratch my hand and go, whoa. Of all the guys he could have picked. Can I tell you, Mike Pence has got one of the clearest testimonies of a walk with God of anyone that ever went to, to Washington. Godly, godly man. And all of a sudden, he is... Can I say maybe a Daniel or maybe a Joseph? I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing. My confidence is in God because God's plans are going to overrule. Amen. 
United Nations says, Ho, ho, Israel, you got it coming now. We're about to elect a certain lady, and she's going to keep going with our agenda of anti-Israel. And God says, I haven't spoken yet. See, that was in the morning. They should have waited till early the next morning. God will be God. God rules and God reigns. I wouldn't be surprised. You just start looking toward Israel. I wouldn't be surprised. All the things that God has done uh, leading up to this moment in time, it ought to cause us as the people of God to say, Lord, we are living in these end time days. And, and if we have now that freedom that it looks like you are giving the church. Do you know one of the very first things that, uh, again, has been said over and over by Donald Trump and by Pence even a week ago in a message to churches? He said one of the first things we want to eliminate is the Johnson rule. You say, what in the world is the Johnson rule? That's, Johnson rule is a rule that punishes churches for speaking out on moral issues or what they would term political issues. It's been in effect since 1950. And it has sadly allowed pastors to be so fearful that they'll have the tax-exempt status taken from them that they have not been bold in the pulpits. And they said, we want to get rid of that rule. We just want to get rid of that rule. And unleash the pulpit. Uh, Mike Pence was so encouraging because he went through the history of our, our nation when he described it. He said, do you realize the importance of the pulpits when it came to the American Revolution? And do you realize the importance of the pulpits here at every major turn in the history of our nation? And all of a sudden now, the pulpit is silent on these issues. And oh, have we reaped the whirlwind because of it. You think of the last 60 years and all that we have endured as a people because of that silence. I'm just telling you that God could be doing something extraordinary. I would keep an eye on Israel. I would keep an eye on... If you start hearing things like I did, matter of fact, uh, the Sanhedrin have reached out uh, to try and uh, uh, they're, they're doing everything they can to prepare for the building of this temple. They already have, uh, I don't know, $35 million. They have uh, all sorts of things that they have put together. I'm sorry, $27 million, the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. They are already practicing as priests the ritual sacrifices. Uh, just in the last few months, they say they have found that breaststone of the high priest. Uh, in September, uh, they have, uh, as a Sanhedrin, uh, established a high priest for the first time, uh, a rabbi that is there. Um, the uh, Sanhedrin Peace Initiative was la launched in 2007, where they really believe that the only true answer to peace in that region is if that temple is built. But the only way for that to happen is some strong man will have to come on in and, I mean, clear the deck so it can happen, because there's a mosque that's sitting there in Jerusalem. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know He's going to do it. And that we can have confidence in our God. Listen, we can have confidence in God with what God's doing in our church. We can have confidence in God with what God's doing in the world. Let's just keep our eyes on Him, all right, and do what He needs for us to do.
Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.